So I'm going to be continuing today. Um, if I could stop being all gangster. I'm, I'm going to continue on Pastor George's sermon from last week, which speaks about the greater things. Because Jesus said that he was going to the Father and that he would send the Holy Spirit to the earth. And because of that, we would do even greater things than he did. And I'm going to start by reading Luke chapter 5, verse 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say, the old wine is better. See, back in the Bible days when they had wine, they didn't have the fancy bottles like they have now. They used animal skins. And, and they created a container for the wine. But you, you, every time you poured in new wine, you had to have a new animal skin. Because the new wine, because of the gases in it as it ferments, it expands the container. And if you had an old used container, when the wine starts to expand, it would boom, it would burst right through the skin and it would not be able to contain it. See, the, the old animal skins can't be stretched. Like, like the new wineskin. Now when Jesus spoke about the new wineskins, he was targeting the religious leaders of the day because they didn't appreciate the way that Jesus did things because he didn't follow their rules and traditions. See, the religious leaders back then, they, they looked down on sinners. They, they put themselves above the people, but Jesus... He went among the sinners. He sat with them. He ate with them. The, the religious leaders, they had man-made rules for everything. Before you eat, you had to wash your hands a certain way. You couldn't heal on the Sabbath. You had to wear certain clothes for certain days. The religious leaders were self-righteous, critical, and judgmental. They didn't appreciate the new wine that Jesus had to offer of grace and love, and freedom, and breakthrough. Because Jesus didn't fit into their box. In other words, they said, this isn't the way that we've always done it. We don't need Jesus telling us what to do, because he just doesn't fit into our culture. And what does the story show? That you cannot take the new wine of freedom, joy, healing, restoration, and power, and put it into a container of dead, powerless, self-righteous religion. It's going to burst. It's not going to work. So we, what we need to do is create a new wineskin because Jesus is about to pour out new wine. See, I'm ready for the new thing that God's about to do. God is not boring. He doesn't do the same thing all the time. He's not a God of traditions and rituals. He's ready to do a fresh thing in the church, in your life. And what needs to be our response is that we need to become the wineskins that Jesus needs. We need to become the new wineskins. In other words, you better be ready to be stretched. To be come before God and say, whatever you're about to do on the earth, I'm ready. See, that's what church is all about. Church isn't about coming together on Sunday mornings and hearing a nice message. It's about being radically transformed. You should be leaving after having an, a real encounter with God, being transformed, being set on fire again. Now when I'm talking about a new wineskin, 
I'm not talking about changing the Bible, changing the Word of God so that we can fit the culture and people won't be mad at us. On Super Bowl Sunday, Oprah Winfrey, she had a special, and she invited this someone who used to be a pastor in, in a church that believed what we believed, but he decided that the Christian faith that that we've known for the last 2,000 years wasn't good enough. And here's what he said on the show. I think culture is already there, and the church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. What is he saying? Forget about the Bible. It's offensive to people. We're not going to live by what people said 2,000 years ago. We're going to try to fit in. We want to be accepted. You see, the Word of God is active, and it's alive, and it's more relevant today than it was 2,000 years ago. Do not tolerate those who teach a false gospel like Rob Bell. You never hear me naming names of ministers, but I'm doing it right now. Because the Bible says in the last days that many false teachers will come into the church telling you that the Word of God isn't relevant for this generation. It's too old-fashioned. We, we need to water it down. I've lived or I've tried to live the last 26 years by those letters written 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. And I have fallen short every day, but I don't regret it. I don't regret one day that I believe God's Word, that I took Him at His promise. So I'm not speaking about watering down the Word of God to fit in. So what I want to do is I want to give my perspective on what I believe that this new wineskin needs to look like. If we want the new wine, if you want to be in step with what Jesus is doing, not only in our services, but every day wherever you go, then we need to become the wineskin that can contain it. See, and the new wineskin has nothing to do with wearing suits or the length of your hair or whether women should put on pants or wear makeup. It's about the fiery, burning presence of God filling his people. See, it, it, it tells us in the New Testament that the glory of the church should be greater than what we read in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see the Red Sea parting. We see dead people coming back to life. We see lepers being healed. We see the sun stood still. And... And the New Testament says that we live in an even greater surpassing glory, but we haven't even touched the glory of the Old Testament yet. It's time to arise and to walk in that glory. What is the glory? It's the manifest presence of the Almighty God working in you and through you. So the first aspect of the new wineskin that I want to talk about is what um, is called the culture of honor. There's, there's a book written by Danny Silk called The Culture of Honor. And it speaks about treating people with dignity and respect. See, that's what's going to attract the lost. It says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? See, the grace and love of God isn't supposed to 
give us an attitude, well, it doesn't matter how I live because God is, he'll forgive me so God doesn't see my sin. It says here that it's the kindness of God that turns us from our sin. But it's not only for us, it's for the world. We can stand and preach hell all day and preach fear and go out and stand in the streets and tell people your lost sinners going to hell and God is angry at you. But the scripture says it's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads people. Now, the church is usually pretty good when it comes to honoring ministers. Sometimes I've spoken in African churches, and when they know I'm a minister, you can't even carry your Bible. They grab everything you have. You try to pour water. They take the pitcher. They pour it for you. The church is good at honoring the, the ministers and pastors, and I commend the church for that. But it's got to be something more. We, we have to live in a way that we honor not only pastors and ministers, but that we minister those who are lost, those who are far from God. How do I know? Because that's the way that Jesus lived. In, in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it talks about a tax collector named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus was very small, so he, he wanted to see what was happening. He climbed up in a tree so he could see. And Jesus saw him in the tree and says, I'm coming to your house today. He's going to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. The tax collectors back then were hated. They used to steal money. They would charge double or triple. And legally, they could do whatever they wanted. The people hated them. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. He honored this sinner with his presence, where everyone else looked at themselves righteously and pointed fingers. Because Jesus knows that the only way we're going to touch a lost and dying world is if we reveal to them the love, the person of Jesus. And you know what happened when he went there? The, the religious leaders got mad and said, you are a friend of sinners. Why are you eating with that person? But you know what happened? This evil man Zacchaeus, he turned to Jesus and said, I'm giving half my money to the poor and everything I've stolen I'm going to give back double. Not because they were, he heard a nice sermon. Not because there was fear of God instilled to him. But he met Jesus. Your job is to introduce Jesus to a lost world. And I want to give you an example of this right now. I'm going to ask Gretchen to come. Because a few, a few Sundays ago, I got a text in the morning from Gretchen. And she said, I'm not coming to church today. So come and tell us what you were doing. Sneaking out of the church. God bless you, family. Um, for some of you who don't know, I come from a third generation of homosexuals. I was raised by two mothers and two grandmothers. So I was what you call a rainbow kid. I was born into this. I didn't want to be born into this. I wanted a mommy and a daddy. Anyway, long story short, my grandmother serves the Lord. She died with the Lord. Her lover, her, her life partner, went to be with the Lord. My mother converted. She became a Christian. And now I'm wrapped around in God's pinky. I've been restored, redeemed, and I've been delivered, and my sexuality has been healed. Um, praise God. So, you know, I'm here in church, and, you know, God's redeemed me, and I have all of you, and... I'm in my nice Christian bubble, and I got my little sanctified behind, you know, sitting there, and I'm like, something, you know, when I heard about what happened um, when they passed the law for same-sex marriage, I said, I feel I need to do something. I have this testimony. I was raised in this. I can't keep quiet. I can't be in the closet. 
I'm not going to be, I wasn't a closet lesbian, and I'm certainly not going to be a closet Christian. Because closets are for clothes. Thank you very much. So when I heard that this law was passed, I said, God, something's got to happen. And I called Pastor Gary. I said, Pastor Gary, we as the church were responding in the wrong way. I chewed out his ear, and all he did was listen to me. He was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. And I said, God, what am I supposed to do? I have to do something. I can't just sit and not do nothing. I got to do something. I'm, I don't feel like posting on Facebook. I'm sick of that, okay? I need to do something. I need to activate. I got a big mouth. I got to use it. So I said, Lord, what am I to do? So through a mutual friend, I found out that she was marching in the gay parade with this Christian organization. I said, wait a minute. Christian organization in the gay parade? There's never been any Christian organization to march in the NYC pride. Let me just tell you that much. Never. There's been the gay church has been a presence, but never Christians to march and go in and invade. And I said, wait a minute. That's what I need to do because I'm tired, not for nothing, of praying prayers and going to conferences and saying we as Christians need to invade and we're praying about it and we're talking about it, that we ain't doing nothing. So I said, hold up. I think I need to be there. Now, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. I was scared. I was praying back and forth. I said, Lord, don't get me into no craziness. I know, you know, my testimony. I mean, I went to the senators and I lobbied against this and I, I gave my testimony. It was still passed. That's a whole nother story. And I uh, fast forward. I I, I met a, a gentleman who is like an apostle to the homosexuals. He is a living, breathing Paul, the apostle, but for homosexuals. You never heard about him, and maybe you may hear about him in an upcoming movie or in a book. But right now, nobody knows about him. He has brought over 2,000 homosexuals into the kingdom of God who are now restored and who are now being rehabilitated and who are being, um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting counseling and they're getting, receiving mentorship on how to steward, you know, these talents and their gifts and their desires. You know, like, you know, God wants to be the Lord over our sexuality, you know? So anyway... Um, I, I, I reached out to him because he was coordinating this organization, which is called GAY. It's abbreviated for God Adores You. And so I reached out to him. I started typing my testimony. I told him how I was raising this and how I, I lobbied against this. And, and now this, uh, 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 um, this law was passed, and I hear what they're doing. What is this organization about, and, 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 and how can I be a part of it? When I gave him my testimony, he said, call me. He gives me his number. And he said, I just had a visitation from the Lord just yesterday, and he told me about you. And he said that you were going to come and that you need to be a part of this and that I was going to meet you because you have the same testimony as I do. I said, oh, snap. Okay, Lord, this is crazy. So I get in contact with him, and he says, you have to be a part of this because this is an organization of ex-homosexuals. It was founded in Florida. It's a, a woman who used to be an ex-lesbian, and she has a prison ministry. And as she's ministering to the prisoners in there, and they're receiving Christ, she's not, uh, like, preaching to them or anything like that, that, you know, they have to lead this lifestyle. The they're falling in love with Christ. And as you fall in love with Christ, so you love everything he loves and you leave everything that he hates. And so they're starting to leave this lifestyle. And so this, this uh, organization, Gay, God Adores You, is an organization, it's a Christian organization of ex-lesbians and gay men 
that's saying, you know what? We came from the rainbow tribe. And now that we are part of the tribe of Judah, we want to bring these people into the kingdom of God. We need to go out and tell them that God loves you, that God adores you, that God, we are here with open arms to receive you and just to love you right where you are at. We're not trying to convert you. There's no agendas. There's no hidden motives. We trust that the Holy Ghost is going to do the work in you. Not me, not you, not the pastor, the Holy Ghost. Trusting on the arm of the spirit and the power and the might of God. Because the same God who came after me, there was no Christian. As a matter of fact, I couldn't stand Christians. And Christians couldn't stand me. Because they always told me that I was living an abomination. That God hated me. That I was this, that I was that. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to know about you Christians. I can't stand y'all. So you know what? I'm just going to stay home and watch Joel Osteen. How's that? That was my life. So anyway, fast forward. I said, okay, I'm going to march in the gay parade. And when I tell you, I was so scared. I am still scared. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. Can I tell you that? I, don't, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was so scared. I, I was supposed to uh, pick my friend up to bring her here, and I had plans, and I texted everybody. I said, I can't meet with you. I'm going to go march in the gay parade. They were like, oh, Lord Jesus, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> and then I text uh, all the leaders because I didn't want them to think like, oh, Lord, Gretchen's done, lost it now. Okay, she marching in the gay parade. And I said, listen, I need to do this. This is my people's. I came from this. I know them. They know me. I need to go up in there. I need to go up in there. I need to go up in there. And so I went in there. We had banners and T-shirts apologizing to the gay community saying, we are sorry of how the church has treated you. Because the church has put, maybe not some of you, but just, um, you know, the media and the newspapers, you, we've seen the, the, the pictures, how some people, they put these terrible signs up, you know, that God hates homosexuals, whatever. And so they see that, so they think that this is the way we all feel. And so we went in there, and can I tell you, there, when the, there was a, 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 the drag queen, when she had introduced us, and she saw the banner, God adores you, and we are sorry for the way the church treated you. When the parade started, first of all, let me just backtrack here. I know I'm all over the place. The parade started with like a prayer by Madonna. And there was a fire. Seriously, there was a fire. Like the fire police came. The parade had to stop a little bit because the fire police had to come out and put out this fire. And I said, Lord. And I felt the spirit of God was there with us. And I said, Jesus I know that if you were here alive, you would be here marching in this parade with us to cast out demons and, and heal the sick. I know you would be here. And so as we went into March and the, and the drag queen introduced us, she didn't know um, what, who we were. And she realized it said, God adores you and we are sorry as the church for the way we treated you. She got choked up. She got choked up. She was like, well, I guess they don't need any introduction. God adores you folks. And so as we, as we went in there, we started marching with our banners. The people, it was like a wave. When I tell you a wave of tears. As we were marching, a wave of tears. People just started crying. And they were like, I had a woman come up to me and say, can I just tell you something? As a gay woman, 
you have no idea what this means. She came up to me and she said that I had several women during that parade as I was marching who began crying uncontrollably. And God was like, go up to them and hug them. And so I hugged them and they started bawling in my arms. Bawling, like going into a fetal position. And I said, my God, this is crazy. And, as, and we were just hugging and kissing people. We didn't preach. We didn't teach. All we did was sprinkle seeds, and we showed them love. And it was amazing. It was the most emotional, powerful thing to think that we didn't even have to say anything, but just the presence of God there with us, going before us, and how he just swept all over that crowd and how just... Like, it was like his wings were just, as we were going by, like his wings just was going, and it was just like waves of tears. And I'm just asking you guys to please pray for me because this, like God has me in this, and like I have people who are reaching out to me on Facebook, and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where God is leading me. Like when we were singing out in the waters, and I don't know where you're, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. So I ask you to please pray for me. Pray for this organization and, and, and pray for us who are um, plowing in this field because the harvest is ripe. People are thirsty and they are hungry for the truth, for love. They want love, but they don't know where to find it. And they're going to men, and they're going to women, and they're going to alcohol, drugs, whoever. It's not just the gays, it's it's all of them. Straight people too. They're going to clubs. They don't know where to find love. And we got the answer. And how are we going to do it? Not by them coming here. They're not going to come here. We got to go out there. You see, God is doing a new thing, creating a new wineskin, We're not going to just spend our time holding up signs, God hates you, you're an abomination. But we're going to come right to the sinners. We're going to go right to the lost, and we're going to bring the glory of God with us. If we want to impact this world, we need to be a wineskin that goes right into the culture to transform it. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to back up. See, in the, in the Old Testament, if somebody who, who had leprosy touched you, you got leprosy. In the New Testament, somebody comes to you unclean with leprosy, you touch them and they get healed. It's the opposite. I'm, I'm not afraid to go to the darkest place. It's not coming on me. I'm gonna get all over them. See, this message is not just about having church. For years, I thought revival, Pastor Miguel, was all about having better church services. We used to pray, God, show up. We'd stand for hours in church and beg the Holy Spirit to come. Oh, bring revival. Pour out your spirit. And then one day I realized God poured out his spirit 2,000 years ago, and I'm asking him to do what he already did. You want revival, it's you. You are the revival of God. When you, if you're a teacher, you carry the power of God into that school, you transform that education system. Don't be changed by the culture. Don't become like them. Let them become like you. Or it tells us in the book of Romans, you know how to win the lost? You provoke them to jealousy. When they see the power, the peace, and the joy in you, and you don't walk around pointing fingers and acting like people are contagious, and you show them honor, even the worst sinner. You, we have ministries going to the prisons and talk to murderers 
and show them honor, not because of who, what they did. What they did is horrible. And one day they'll have to stand before God as their judge. But that's not my job. I thank God I'm not the judge. My job is to love. My job is to be a light in the darkness, a hope to a world that has no hope. And they're watching us. If they see that you look down on them in disgust for who they are, they don't want to hear your message. That's not what revival is. Revival isn't all about having powerful meetings in church. And I love that. I love having great services and people getting healed at the altar. True revival means when the when I receive from church, I go out into my job, into my home, and I begin to take back what belongs to God. I begin to advance His kingdom. I move it forth, and I say, God, on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? There's no sickness up in heaven. There's, there's no poverty in heaven. You are the answer to the problems of this world. God is saying, stop praying and asking Him for what He's already placed in you. You have the fullness of God living in you right now. You see, here's the problem with the old wineskin. The way that church has always done it is we have superstars. We have the old one-man show where the pastor or some big name will come to town, and they're going to heal the sick. They're going to do all the work. We're not going to see greater things, leaving it to the professionals. It says in Mark 16, these signs will follow those who believe. How many of you believe today? These signs will follow those who believe. They will heal, the, the, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will cast out demons in my name. That's not about Benny Hinn coming to fill up a stadium. That's about you. Changing everywhere that you go. If you're in law enforcement, you go to work and you bring true justice if you're a designer, you, you, you have all the creativity of heaven or a musician. If you're a musician, if you're in the arts, you, ha you can write better songs, design better clothes than anyone in this world because the creator in the universe, he's in you and he's waiting to come out. Stop keeping him inside. Let him out. That's revival. Revival means we're going to do what the people did in the New Testament church. It says in the book of Acts that a small group, probably not much more in the beginning than what we have here right now, it says they turned the whole world upside down for Jesus. They took back the pagan culture and it became Christian. Even Christmas... And Easter at one time were pagan holidays. And they said, we're not tolerating that. And they made them into Christian holidays. Anything in this culture, rap, hip-hop, not, it's not sinful. We take it and we redeem it for the Lord and we use it for His glory. In the old wineskin, through the years, I used to hear, well, art is good. It doesn't belong in the church. All these different styles of music. Well, it's good for out there, but not in here. As long as you're glorifying God with what you do. God is not into all this cultural stuff, defining this is of the devil. The devil doesn't own a thing. And we're taking back everything that he's got and we're going to turn this whole nation upside down for God. We're not advancing the kingdom of man anymore. Putting up the names of 
famous ministers and music people and getting their brand out. It's not what it's about. It's about glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And most of all, for that to happen, there's got to be a cry in you for more of Him. If you want to see the greater things that Pastor George said, it flows out of your relationship with God. For too many Christians, Christianity and church is all about having my needs met. Well, God is there, so when I need healing, when I need to pay my bills, then I'm going to ask Him, and if He doesn't do it in the time I expected, then I'm mad, I'm disappointed. Oh, this church isn't for me. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about a heart, a burning heart for God. Burst out of your time you spent with Him. That's Christianity 101. It's not, there was a church in a place called Ephesus in the New Testament. And they did everything good, better than what we do. And Jesus actually wrote them a letter in, in the Revelation, I think, chapter 3. And it said in the letter, I commend you. You've been working hard for me. You've been persevering. You don't tolerate evil men. You're willing to give up everything for me. But he said, I have one thing against you. And you know what that one thing is? He says, you have left your first love. What was he telling them? I don't care if you get it all right. I don't care if you pray for people all day at the altar. If you're not in love with me, if I'm not the focus of your faith, you did it all for nothing. If the reason even that you give in the offering is out of obligation, then put the money back in your pocket. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. How would I like it on Christmas if my daughter gave me a present? And she said, oh, I had to spend my last dollar and I could have bought something else I really needed but I felt obligated to give this to you. You know what I would say? Keep your present. It's the same thing with God. He's looking for lovers. He's looking for those whose hearts are on fire for Him, unashamed. You want the greater things. I don't want to preach this stuff if you don't want it. And if you want it, you got to get in the glory realm. you got to get in His presence. Listen to this from Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. Speaking of, of the bride, speaking to the bridegroom, which is a picture of what our life, our heart should be like towards Jesus. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. God's got to be a seal right on your heart. He needs to be the center of everything that we do. The one that we, there's a place that God put in you, and it's only for Him. Don't give it away to the idols of this world, the pleasures of this world. Yes, God created the world for us to enjoy. I'm not saying don't have fun, don't enjoy the blessings of God, but when it comes down to it, I'm choosing, I'm making a choice to live for Him and Him alone. If I lose everything that I have, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to still pray. I'm going to still worship just as hard if everything around me disappears. 
That, that's the love of God. And out of that, in the book of Acts, float signs, wonders, and miracles. Because they were so in love with God, everywhere that they went, blind eyes were opened. The deaf could hear. People were raised from the dead. But it all comes out of a heart of love. So I invited my friend Patrice to come today to sing over you. So I'm going to ask her to come. And if you're saying today, I'm willing to be a new wineskin. I want to walk in the power of God. Just where you are, I'm going to ask you to stand as she sings over you. For those of you saying, I want those greater things that Pastor George preached about last week. And just receive this song about the faithfulness of God. He's going to use you. You have a destiny. There's greatness in you. Josh, well, she got the mad skills, right? Patrice, you want to join our rap group for the next time? Praise God. (laughs) I'm not going to sing like that. I wish. But I just want you guys to close your eyes right now. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. She was singing about God's great faithfulness, how faithful God is. And I believe God is calling us into our destinies this year. A lot of us have been through so many storms and so many hard times and has led you to this point right now. And God is only requiring one thing of you right now. is to trust him and let go. 
whatever you've been holding on to, whatever you've been um, fighting, whatever that's been just the, the stumbling block in your way that we've been holding on to for so long. When we're asking God, Lord, make a way. Lord, open the doors. Lord, fix this situation. Lord, save this person. Lord, fix this situation. Fix this person. But God is just saying there's a flow of the spirit that's happening in this season. And we're holding on to things. And God is just asking us to just to let go of it. To go with the flow. It's different. It's a new thing that God is doing in your life and in the body of Christ's life. But don't be afraid. So I just release destiny into your lives today in the name of Jesus. No fear. Just let it go. Let go of those things that are holding you back and receive the blessing that God has for you. It's like a, a rushing water going through. And we're holding on to this pillar as a safety blanket. That's all we know. But God is just saying, like, just let go of it. And there'll be things along the way that will try to hold us to hold on once again. But don't be afraid of the flow. Just go with the flow where God is taking us. It's a new thing. It's not new with God. It's not new in the word. It's just new for us because we're so used to the same thing over and over again. But in situations like in your jobs, God wants to open a new job for you. But you're scared to let go of the one you got because God's been providing so well in that job. And you're afraid what's going to happen the next step. Relationships. You've been hurt so many times. God said let go of the anger and the fear and the worry and see what God is going to do now. See the breakthrough you've been asking for, but you just got to let go. This is the season right now you need to just let go of things and see God have his way. He's waiting you. He's waiting for you to come. He has offered everything you need is, is handed out to you. All he's waiting for you is to take it. So don't be afraid anymore. No no more. What's, what's the song we were singing about? It was like a, a life without, with borders. We were living a life with borders. And God is saying let go of those borders. And receive everything he has for you this season in the name of Jesus. Amen. So right after the service, there might be some of you saying, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in the kingdom of God. See, it's, for everyone, it's not about doing something in church. See, that's me. I, I hang around one church after the other. But some of you, are supposed to open businesses and break the spirit of greed over this nation. For some of you, your ministry's out there. So we'll be in this room back here right after the service. But just in closing, I'm going to ask for the those in the healing ministry to come quickly. And also, if Alice can help and some other people from the prayer team, See, if we're going to talk about a new wineskin based on the book of Acts, in the book of Acts it says almost every person got healed. So we want to believe God for the supernatural. So if you need healing in your body, or you want to stand in for someone, I'm believing for a miracle in, in your life today. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we worship. And if that's you, you're dealing with pain, sickness. I'm believing God's going to break out right now as, as we conclude. So if you want to pray for yourself, for someone else in your life that needs healing, just come forward right now.
Those of you on the worship team, if you can also help, come and help us pray.